I just want people to remember one number. You won't remember much about what Scott Morrison's industry minister, Christian Porter, did during his time in that role. But just know he was only there for 173 days. We're now going to have the eighth industry minister uh, be appointed under the coalition in its eight years in government. At a time when we're trying to rebuild sovereign capability, reduce our dependency on global supply chains, rebuild the economy, strengthen jobs, make sure regional areas of the country have a chance to be part of a national effort, particularly in terms of rebuilding manufacturing, and we've had Christian Porter go. 173 days, the Christian Porter was there and he didn't do much. All right, well, there he is, Ed Husick from Western Sydney. He joins me on the program. Ed, good morning, mate. G'day, Marcus. How are you? Yeah, nice to talk to you. I'm well. Uh, you make a very good point, and I think it's a point that's been missed. Um, all right. Just putting aside the allegations against the former Attorney-General, uh, but the greater picture here is, I guess, as well, some kind of um, uh, not just accountability, but stability. Uh, you yeah. make the point. There's been eight different, um, what, industry ministers? Is that right? Well, they're gearing up for their eight. Okay. So being in power for eight years, right. the, normally a coalition industry minister has a shelf life of just over 330 days, yeah. and Christian Porter hit 173 at a time when we, we're realising we've got to do more to rebuild manufacturing in this country. Very hard to have an industry and innovation minister who's distracted by court cases mm. and all the rest of it. Totally, and that was my concern at the, from the very start, that... Uh, this is a bloke that, you know, I mean, when you're in Parliament, you get to see where people's passions are in terms of policy mm. and what they really want to be able to push. I mean, Christian Porter rarely has spoken on these issues or taken an interest in these issues. And when they put him in, I always thought it was a stopgap just to park him somewhere. And I don't think that a portfolio is important as industry is as a place where you do that. Uh, we've got big challenges coming out of the pandemic. As I said, we've got to rebuild manufacturing. We've got yeah. to be able to make stuff here on our own without relying on global supply chains as much as we have. That's going to take a lot of work and a lot of investment. And the bloke's mind wasn't on illegal. I said this in Parliament. I said that, you know, his, his bloke wasn't, his mind wasn't on a portfolio brief. It was on an industry brief. And I figured he wouldn't be around. And, and he proved me, uh, well, actually, where he proved me wrong is I didn't think he'd be around for such a short period of time. I, I thought he might maybe hit the average. And he didn't even hit that. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, you're right. Uh, we do need to rebuild our industry, manufacturing. Uh, yeah. We will have a long road ahead of us post-pandemic. Yeah. What we do need is stability, and we need a uh, um, an industry manufacturing sector that's strong and, and being led by somebody with their mind on the job. And quite frankly, I believe Christian Porter's mind has been on the job. Yeah, well, I, I think... Uh, his focus was not necessarily there. His industry, like in terms of relating to industry and being able to meet with them and, and uh, work with them, there was evidence that people didn't want to do that because they didn't think that he was necessarily there for the long haul. He had core uh, funding grants, the decisions around those, $800 million in an upcoming round of funding grants. The decision-making was taken out of his hands, put into the Prime Minister's hands uh, around manufacturing grants. Um, and some of the legislation that he had to uh, be responsible for just in this, this parliament since his appointment, there were only two bits of legislation. He didn't even front up to talk to those, to push those through, 
to be there uh, showing uh, his interest in the in the portfolio. Uh, so again, like there's now we now say goodbye to Christian Porter. We now look to potentially the eighth industry minister. Yeah. And there's this issue of stability, not just there, but in other key portfolios as well. So you've got nearly eight industry ministers. And the other big issue of the day in terms of defence, they've had six industry ministers during their time in government. And so the issue that you've, you've absolutely nailed uh, is one around uh, stability. Uh, and the other thing is, too, there's still uh, un- unanswered questions around Christian Porter. I mean, I don't know when the last time was that you stumbled on a million dollars that was given to you anonymously. I've never had that happen to me. No. I think that's a serious issue. And politicians in particular use a really big deal if politicians cannot explain with a straight face Mm. to the public where they got money from to help them. That is a bad, bad thing. Yeah, well, uh, the acting Prime Minister, uh, Barnaby Joyce, didn't have too much to say about it the other day, apart from the fact that he believes once he's, you know, done his time, quote-unquote, and cooled his heels, quote-unquote, on the back bench, that Christian Porter will be back on the front bench, bigger and stronger than ever. Uh, I mean, that's from the acting Prime Minister, because, as we know, Scott Morrison is currently overseas, and, you know, uh, that's important that he is, uh, but we're not getting much from government. I mean, ScoMo didn't deal with this issue before he jetted off to New York, did he? Well, he basically cut and run. He, as soon as he could get out of the, the joint, he he did, uh, without having to explain uh, what was going on here. And certainly, uh, from the position of the Sunday press conference, accepting a resignation, Scott Morrison failed to act. This clearly did not stack up to ministerial standards. It clearly, we don't think, stacks up to the intent of the disclosure yeah. uh, arrangements in, in Parliament. Mm. And in terms of what the Deputy or Acting Prime Minister was saying, Barnaby Joyce, I think he was talking more from his own journey and wanting to be consistent <laughs> with that as opposed to anything else. And, and frankly, that's not the best journey to, to look at, really. As I said, you know, if you've got a politician accepting a million dollars from somewhere, from donors that he won't tell you, he or she will not tell you where they got that money from, and those donors don't want to tell you that they provided that money, that is that is that raises more questions than answers. Yeah. And you cannot have a political system that has mystery donors like that uh, helping chip in in the way that they did. And what was the thinking too? I think the next thing that has to be asked is what were the donors thinking when they gave that money to Christian Porter? Yeah. What was it being used for? How was it being explained? Well, and why did Christian Porter <laughs> want to have it set up secretly? Until we know who they are, I guess we'll never know. Look, just on another issue before I let you go, and I know you want to give a shout-out to these wonderful people, Uh, a big thank you to your local GPs who have been there throughout the entire pandemic. They've continued to provide critical health services to the Western Sydney community in the absence of major vax hubs in your part of Western Sydney. Many of uh, your local GPs have been picking up the slack to provide vaccinations to thousands of locals. I want to... Say, and I think it's been the case for GPs across Western Sydney. They've been yeah. on the front line, the GPs and the pharmacists, and uh, all the people that support them in those medical centres and pharmacies. I think we owe a massive debt of gratitude to. Yeah, well said. Rea- I was just going to make the point. The reality is, when you look at in the last week, Marcus, how people have been talking about this sharp jump in vaccination rates mm. in the Western suburbs, particularly in my local government area, that that happened once supply hit in August. Yeah. So you saw this massive uptake. That That is the big reason. It wasn't that people were hesitant, as was being suggested by the New South Wales government. It wasn't that they didn't want to take the vaccines. 
The vaccine simply weren't there. Pharmacists trained in February, waiting for supply, only got it in August. And once you saw them get that vaccine, you just saw a big whoosh, you know, uptick in numbers. And that's been the big challenge. So we've got now a vaccine clinic set up in Shelby, and I urge people to, to use that. I, yep. I met with those people that are working there hard on, on Sunday, actually. I dropped in to see them, and they're, okay. they're there, they're keen, they're ready to vaccinate, mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll get all the supply in, not just... AZ, which is being administered there, but Pfizer and Moderna as well. All right, mate. Good to have you on. I appreciate it as always. Thank you, Ed. We'll talk again next week. Thanks, Marcus. Good on you, mate. Ed Husick, Western Sydney MP.